Hi, welcome everyone to New Life. Those of you out there, uh, those of you on the patio, hello. It's nice and breezy and beautiful out there. And also welcome to those of you online. Um, we're excited, as you can see. We have our Christmas attire going because it's the tree lighting this Wednesday. Yes. And so we are so excited for that. And so we wanted to invite everybody that's going to be coming there as well. But uh, we also just wanted to say that, you know, this, this holiday season can be tough sometimes. Yeah. But um, we choose joy. We choose joy. And we know that we're not alone in, during this time. And uh, what other things are going on, uh, Kent? Well, there's a lot of events coming up that are going to be announced, and we hope that you'll all be able to attend. And for those of you who are new, we'd love to get to know you. And uh, come on out and meet us, Julie and I, at the Connection booth um, out in the patio. There's also two in the lobby. And come by. We have a free gift for you. Um, you know, church is more than just attending but it's belonging. And we encourage all of you just to join our family, uh, the family of God. And because we've moved into the new season, uh, we all, I'm, I'm assuming, had a good Thanksgiving. And uh, something that really touched my heart was this uh, verse from uh, Psalm 104 and 5, which says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And with that, uh, please stand and uh, prepare your hearts for worship. Turn to the neighbor next to you and ask them if, they're, if they put up their Christmas tree yet.
Especially during the holiday season, it's really hard to really believe what, what we just sang. You're never going to let us down. Lord, we feel so disappointed sometimes that we don't really know who to blame. And so we just throw that on you, God. And for all those times that we've thrown it on you, God, we're sorry because it is not you, Lord. God, it's us straying away. God, it's us having doubt. It's us having fear. It's us worrying. It's all those things in life that just add up and weigh on us, Lord Jesus. And so, God, we just thank you that not only have you never let us down, even if we feel like you've let us down, Lord Jesus, not only have you never let us down, you've never abandoned us when we've just thrown blame on you blindly, Lord Jesus. God, there were times in my life where I was so sad and so broken, and Lord, I did blame you. God, when, when I lost a friend or I lost a loved one or I just felt alone and isolated in my own pain and my own fear and my own worry, Lord Jesus, I threw that on you, Lord. And that's, that's the story for so many in this room today, God. But I'm here to say right now, and I can testify to this and so many more can, God, that it wasn't you, Lord. It wasn't you who let us down. You were there. You were there in the brokenness, mountain high, valley low, Lord Jesus. You are always there. 
we can rely on you wholeheartedly, God. And so this morning, throughout the rest of this worship set, we just bring that to your feet. We lay it down, God even when we feel so crummy, even when we feel like we can't approach the Father's throne, God, you are there with open arms. And church, that is true this morning. I don't know who doesn't believe that, but some of you might not believe that. I'm telling you, it's true. Ask someone near you, ask your friends, ask your family. The Lord Jesus cares for you and he's ready to embrace you with open arms no matter what. He will not let you down, amen. He will not let you down. So God, we praise you in spite of our circumstances this morning. We praise you no matter what we're coming in these rooms with, these doors with God. We praise you no matter what Christmas feels like or means to us or the memories that we have that are long gone, God. You're never gonna let us down, Lord Jesus. There is family and there is fellowship in your kingdom and there's a place for everyone at your table, Lord Jesus. God, we, we're gonna sing that bridge again, Lord Jesus, because we wanna declare it as if we mean it, God. You're never gonna let us down, Lord Jesus. When the night, when the darkness is holding on to us, Lord, your light shines through. God, you are worthy. We sing praises to a worthy God. Lord Jesus, we wanna build our lives upon you, God, because you reign above it all. We just declare you're never gonna let us down. Because you're never gonna let you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let. You're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna. You're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna. You're never gonna. You're never gonna let us down.
could ever breathe. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you.
God some praise this morning. I would like to invite the ushers forward to receive the offering, and we just thank you for being part, being part of our family, and um, just following where God leads us. And um, I have really had on my heart this week just kind of our online community and um, what that looks like. And we always say good morning to those watching online. And we realize that there are circumstances and people live far away. And I have just been so thankful that our family is so big. And I had two just huge encouragements um, by our online community this week. And uh, one was somebody came to the office that um, shock. I didn't know. I didn't recognize them. And you know I'm really shy. So um, I tackled them in the parking lot and um, just was talking to them and realized that she has been watching online for several years and has been part of the pantry and is part of our family. Like for some reason that just so encouraged my heart. And then last Sunday during the 11 o'clock service, we met a lady um, in the lobby that lives in Riverside and has watched us online for years. And she was able to come to church, to her church in person last week. And she has been praying all year telling her family she wanted to get baptized. She had no idea last week was baptism Sunday. There she was. We got her a pair of red shorts and she was baptized. And it was so amazing. Like God's family is so, so big. And I know sometimes... um, we can feel lonely or alone. And I just, that has so encouraged my heart. And I wanted to tell you, just as Kent and Julie were sharing today, that sometimes this season is kind of hard to get into for lots of different reasons. And am I the only one that does not have their tree up yet? Oh, okay. There's a few. Okay, good. I was feeling alone this morning about it. Um, but it is sometimes hard, and we have some opportunities this for this next couple weeks just to be able to reach out to each other, to serve together, just to be reminded of what this season is about. So um, we do have our Advent boxes, and if you have ordered one of those or you want to know what those are about, those are in the lobby, and um, those can be picked up after service. And um, we also, Elena wanted me to mention, the ornaments are not quite here yet, but they're really close. They're in Santa Maria. So if you come to the tree lighting or during this week, we will be able to get you the ornaments. And then um, we also, I wanted to talk about the market. 
and we're getting really close to that. And if you could just be praying for the market and for the lives that are going to hear about Jesus for the first time, we do still have some needs. We have some blankets that can be picked up, but we are looking for shampoo and laundry soap. So if you're able to drop those by, and again, just keep the market in prayer. And this Wednesday, this is when I'll put my tree up because this Wednesday is our tree lighting. And I don't know how many years we've done it, but it is one of my favorite things is to be together with all of our New Life family and just be kind of rubbing elbows because we're really tied around that tree and watching just the lights go on and spending an evening together. And we have, we have the best cookie baking crew, I think, in any church around. And they are baking. And there is something about eating a Christmas cookie together and just sharing life together. I just invite you all to come. And there's just so many different opportunities to serve and meet meet one another at that. So it's at six o'clock. We're going to meet around the tree. Invite friends, neighbors, invite who you're sitting with to meet you there. Um, and we just, it's going to be a great night. And I guarantee, well, yeah, I'm going to put my tree up after. So I think you will feel the season at that time. And um, just as we get into God's word this morning, I wanted to invite Pastor Gina up. And Pastor Gina is going to share God's word with us today. But she woke up sick this morning. She doesn't feel really well. And um, she's a trooper. So we just wanted to, I just wanted to cover her in prayer this morning. Oh, God, we just lift up Gina to you right now, God. We know that um, you know what's going on in her body. And Jesus, in your name, we just pray that it just goes away right now, God. God, that it just, that your words just flow through her, God. We just thank you for her. We thank you, God, for what you have planned for all of us today, God. We just pray that you just move in all of our, all of our hearts, Holy Spirit that we need you. We just give all of it to you in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, good morning. I hope you guys had a great and wonderful Thanksgiving. I know that uh, some of you might be here and visiting because you are visiting family. And uh, so I'm happy that you're here with us. But if you're here and you uh, haven't been following us or New Life, you have been following along this whole time, guess what? It is week 12 of the Origin series. We literally are in our final installment and we have spent three months uh, going into the Old Testament, not verse by verse and not like going book by book, but we've been diving into it to basically figure out who we are, what our identities are, who we are in the story of God. And so it's been kind of an incredible series in the sense of we've seen God not only reveal who Jesus is, but we see more and more of who he is as we read through the Old Testament. Now, when we first started talking about this series and we were talking about going through the Old Testament, I got kind of excited because I know a lot of people who really struggle to read it. Like, they'll tell me, I don't know, I'm over it, it's really hard, people are begotten people, and like, there's a lot of wars, and there's a lot of destruction, and like, it's violent, and... It, it just, they, they will tell me that they think that the God of the Old Testament is actually not the same God in the New Testament. That, that's how like, disconnected people feel about it. And then I've had some people and some friends who joke around and they're like, well, maybe God had anger management because it seems like in the Old Testament, he was like, and I'm done with you and I'll wipe you out. And then in the New Testament, he had anger management and he doesn't really dis, you know, want to wipe us out as much anymore. So, you know, there's this kind of this view that there is a different God. 
But the truth is, is that God is God. He is the same God in the Old Testament as he is the same God in the New Testament. And one of the things that I love that Pastor David had said to us several times over this series is that we have to remember that the Bible is a library of books, right? It's not, one set is not Old Testament and one set is not New Testament and they're totally separate. It is one library of books from Genesis to Revelations and that it is to tell one unified story that leads us to Jesus. The whole thing leads us to Jesus. Throughout the whole thing, God reveals his plan for us to save us. And what we see is not just destruction. We don't see just wars and people getting wiped out and God being over people. Instead, what we see in addition to that is his love. We worship a God who never gives up on us. We worship a God who wants to be in relationship so badly with us that he was always planning a way, a permanent way through Jesus for us to be saved. And so it's an incredible time to read all of this because we're going into Advent next weekend. Pastor David's gonna lead that. But when we look at the whole Bible, we see his plan, we see us. We see our story, and I know that's hard for some of us. Like we read the Bible as if it is not a part of our lives. It's like a book that we just have to follow and we're supposed to figure out who we are, but actually what we're supposed to do is see ourselves in it, in God's story, because we are a part of it. Now, as we were going through this series, there was a reading plan, and you're able to read along if you wanted to, and I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a lot of themes in the Bible. I mean, there's just tons of things that we can pick on. Well, this morning, we are going to look at the theme of waiting, waiting on God, and I love this theme because we all hate to wait. Like, Think about how you are when it comes to waiting. Most of us aren't great at it. I know I'm not good at it. As soon as I leave here during the week and I have to get on the freeway, I'm like, and I'm over it. Like, it's a million cars. And that's not even as bad as living in the city, but I still complain about it. Like, they're just not good at waiting. But see, waiting is so important in the Bible. God has such a plan for all of us to learn to wait on him, to be patient, the Bible is full of things that say, wait on the Lord and he will strengthen you. Wait on the Lord and he will help you. Wait on the Lord your God because he hears you. How important is it to wait? See, I think it's important because one of the things that we struggle with is waiting, kind of like anxiety. See, I think God brings up this subject over and over again because he knew we were gonna be a people who struggle to wait. You know, people tell me like, oh, I'm not supposed to be anxious. I'm like, okay, well, God knew we were gonna be anxious people. How many times does the Bible address anxiety and fear? So many times. And it's because he knew we were gonna struggle. He knew we were gonna worry about everything that we can worry about. Just like this, he knew we were gonna struggle to wait on him and to wait for him and to just be a patient people. Now, one of the things that I wanna start off with is kind of an interesting thought because I think we think that we struggle with waiting and we can read about it, but our difference in waiting and their difference in waiting sometimes is huge. So in Malachi, which is the very last book of the Old Testament, we have a prophet Malachi who God uses to speak to the people of Israel. He has a message for them. Now to give a little context, one of the things that happens is that the people of Israel are like, God's forgotten about us. God's blessing all of those who do evil. 
And they kind of have this constant message of, what have we done wrong that you're not blessing us? What is so bad that God, you are not helping us? Instead, everyone who runs around and does bad things, everyone who doesn't obey you, they seem to be profiting. They're wealthy. They get away with everything. They're popular. And so God responds to them in Malachi chapter three, verse one. He says this, look, I am sending my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now what Malachi is prophesying about is that there will be a messenger that is coming. And that messenger is John the Baptist. But I want to point out something. When he says this in Malachi, the very last book of the Old Testament, we don't hear about this messenger again until Matthew chapter 11, which is 400 years later. 400 years. I don't know about you, but I've been like, I, I don't think we heard that right. Like, and not happening. Like 400 years. And not only is it 400 years of waiting, it is considered 400 years of a time period where God was silent. We read so much that he responded. You know, in Malachi, he speaks through him. In Habakkuk, he literally talks and he responds to all of the questions of the prophet and he's active. But then after this is said, and until we get to the revelation that it's John the Baptist, 400 years of silence. And I think to ourselves, as a people in our world today, 400 years of silence would drive us nuts. And you can see how it affects us when we don't get answers immediately. We struggle to wait because in waiting, we struggle to believe that God is still moving and that God is still alive and God is still well and that God is still working. So one of the things that I wanna look at is a, a few like tangible things. I, if you know me well enough, I'm very practical. So I want the Bible to be something that we really understand. It's simple, we get it, we can walk away, we can do something with it. I'm gonna start sweating, don't mind it, I'm just not feeling good. And then I'll be cold in 10 minutes, it'll be totally good. So I'm not panicking, I'm just hot. So okay. one of the things I wanna look at is why is it so hard for us to wait? Why is it so hard for us to wait? Like I brought up traffic, that's hard. Waiting for test results, it's hard. But what is it about the waiting? Just reflect for a moment in your own mind how you react when you feel like it's just gone a second too long, a minute too long, that an answer should have happened. I think for our day and age, Part of the issue is that we are a people of instant gratification nowadays. I sent you a text, you should have sent it back already. You should have replied. I ordered that online, it should take two days. Any longer, I'm over it, I don't want it. We have been told and the world has created a belief system that the faster is better. Instant gratification is what we should be living by. If you can't have it now, it's not worth it. But the Bible tells us totally differently. Waiting is totally worth it. But it's not just us who struggle. The Old Testament, people struggled and they didn't have the internet. It was still hard. Think about Sarah and Abraham. 
They literally did not wait. They ended up being in a place where they found that waiting and having silence and not having answers come fast enough meant that God had forgotten about them. They interpreted waiting and having to wait too long as to be forgotten about or that God was absent. Now, if you don't know the story of Abraham and Sarah, they were told God came to Abraham. He said, I'm gonna make a great nation out of you. I need you to leave everything behind and go into a land that I will show you. And I will then make a great nation out of you. And to be a great nation, you would have to have children. But Sarah hasn't had any kids. She's unable to have children. And when they are told this, get this, he's 75 years old. Like, what? Who wants a child at 75? Okay? But he tells them, you're going you're gonna to have a kid. You're going to be a great nation. But what happens is, is 25 years goes by. And that's when they finally have their son. But see, Sarah, I think, came to a place where she's like, God's forgotten about us. I still haven't had a kid. So what does she do? She has Abraham go hook up with a servant, and then she had, they have a cat, that child. But that was not God's plan. Now, God can use that plan, and he did. He can use everything for his purpose. But I think what happened was that Sarah believed that God had forgotten. And can't we relate? We shoot up prayers, we ask for things, we want something, and we're like, well, I asked like five minutes ago and it didn't happen. I guess we'll just move on. And we kind of get to this place, and then the next day, we're kind of like, okay, I'm gonna pray it one more time. Yeah, no, we got nothing, so I'm gonna move on. And what happens is, is we think that God's not paying attention. We believe that his silence means that he's absent from us. And then he just completely forgets about us. It's a lie. It's a lie that our minds tell us. It's a lie that I think the enemy plays on, that God is absent in the silence. But the truth is, is he's in the midst of everything, working even when we don't see him working. I think the other thing that makes it hard to wait is that we, that fear starts to whisper in our ears. We start to become an anxious people When the answer doesn't come fast enough, we believe that, oh, I'm praying the wrong thing. I'm not praying hard enough. I'm not as important as the person who got their prayer answered. He doesn't see me. We start to get so afraid. When the healing doesn't happen right now, well, I don't know, maybe he just thinks I'm not worth it. I've actually heard people tell me, God just thinks I'm expendable. He doesn't like like me. Yeah, he has to love me, he's God, but he doesn't like me. That's why he's not answering my prayer, that's why he's not curing me. We think about all the things that whisper in our ears in life. When we see war and not peace. When we see all the things on the news that constantly barrage us with all the things that are going wrong, I feel like it's an attempt to try to tell us that God is not on the move. That God is not real. And this is why I think as a church, we have to be careful of what we fill our minds with. Because you can, you can take it in. I know people who sit in front of that news forever, like all the time, taking it in. The world's coming apart. We should just be afraid. We should, I had someone tell me they're gonna spend all their money because God's coming back. I'm like, is that what you're supposed to do if God's coming back? Just spend all your money and go do whatever? 
No. What are we supposed to do? We are supposed to wait. We are supposed to pursue him. There is a purpose in waiting. There is a purpose in not understanding. Here's the thing. God makes a promise. In Malachi, he said, I will send a messenger. And it was fulfilled. God said, I will send a savior. And he did through Jesus. When God makes a promise, he will fulfill it. He will never let us down. He will never let you down. His timing is perfect. In Ecclesiastes 3.11 it says, yet God made, has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Church, do we believe that God has made everything beautiful for its own time? Do we trust this? See, I think we become anxious because we're like, we will not understand the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. And we're like, well, I wanna know. I wanna know. I prayed this. Could you please let me know what the answer is? I think we are people who are like, well, I'll trust you if I know what the end result is. Or we're like, hey, we're not gonna know the whole plan, but I also would like to be in on the plan, so can we discuss what the result looks like together? I have some ideas of what the healing should look like. I have some ideas of what this answered prayer should look like. So can we just kind of work this out together? Church, we're not God. And we never will be. And we are short-sighted. And we are people who think about ourselves a lot of times more than we think about the grand scheme of what God has going on. Sometimes we forget that what we want what we want doesn't just affect us, it affects everybody. God is working. His plan is perfect. His timing is perfect. And yes, it's okay to be frustrated sometimes when it's not perfect for you, when it feels like he's a little late. When I was younger, I used to tell people all the time, you could have answered that prayer like an hour ago. I used to tell people all the time, God's just a tad bit tardy, don't worry. Like he doesn't really answer super quick. And when I was younger, I was kind of making fun of it because I kind of was frustrated. Because I would be like, I'm praying. You're telling me all the time that you answer in here and answer in here. And I'd be like, I, I got nothing. I feel like I'm just repeating myself. But see, that leads me to the next question. What are, what are we waiting for? Do you ever ask yourself what you're waiting for? Is it only answers to prayer? Is it only answers for what your desire is? What are we supposed to do when we wait? What are we waiting for? We're waiting for his will to be done. We are waiting for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are waiting for his will and not our will. See, I think one of the things we teach is we teach people a lot, pray, bring it to him, tell him your desires, and yes, do it. If you're talking to God, you're not doing anything wrong. Tell him. But do we ever follow up our prayers or do we remember to follow up our prayers with, but your will be done. Lord, I want to be healed. I want to be healed, but your will be done. Father, I want this job but your will be done because you know what is best for me. 
You know what is best for my family. You know what is best for our community. See, sometimes I think we forget that when Jesus taught us to pray, he wasn't just telling us to speak words about that whole prayer of the Lord's Prayer. What he was teaching us is when you pray, yes, petition. Come to him. Talk. But do not forget that you want his will in your life. You want his answers. You want his perfect work. You want what his will to be done in all things. What else are we waiting for? We're waiting for him to transform us. See, waiting changes us. I know in most things, it feels like it just irritates us, but it really does change us. Think about how many times you have been persistent in praying for the same thing, or praying for someone else, or praying for a situation. You ever noticed how your prayers change? You might throw something out there the first time. But then I think we get to a place where we start thinking to ourselves, Lord, you're not answering right away. And we start adding more to it. And we start thinking more broadly about the prayer requests. We start getting into a place where we want to be closer and closer to him. Prayer changes us. Because it teaches us that we need someone. It teaches us that we need a savior. We can't just keep going to one another and trying to figure things out and find answers with one another, but it changes us. It transforms us. I think about some of the people in the Bible who spent so much time waiting, so much irritation, taking things in their own hands, and God would correct them, and you're like, oh yeah, come back. How many times have we taken things into our own hands? And then we realize this isn't working either. We need him. And so sometimes I think, what are we supposed to be doing when we're waiting? Okay, God, this situation that we're in, what do you want from me? How do you want to change me? What is the lens that you want to have me see others through or myself through or this situation through? There is so much to be said about waiting. We wanna become more and more like Jesus, don't we? We want to be transformed into who he is and more and more like him. And I think one of the things I think about to be transformed is when we sit in the waiting and we sit in the silence, we have to remember that God's probably doing something in us before he's doing something for us. To sit in the silence, God is probably doing something inside of us before he's gonna do something for us. He doesn't just hand us a gift and not transform us first because we will treat that gift in the wrong way. So I think what happens is, is he starts to work in us in the silence. He starts to wait, work in us in the waiting. He starts to transform who we are so that way when he answers our prayer, we actually see it. We receive it. We understand it. Maybe we even know what to do with it. I like what it says in Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14. Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. 
I love this because it's not just what we should do, but it is I am confident in the Lord's goodness while I'm in the land of the living. Confident. We are to pray, we are to wait in confidence. I am confident that while I am here on earth, I will see the goodness of God. Here at New Life Church, as you have come to church each and every week, or if you're watching online, you have probably seen the goodness of God. We have seen people get baptized. We have seen the youth become on fire and multiply. We have seen some of our olders pour into our youngers. We have seen so much transformation. And just think, this is not as good as it gets. This is not as good as it gets. There is so much more that God has for us. But we have to patiently wait. And we have to confidently believe that he is moving. That we will see him. We can't sit in the wait and in the silence and be like, forget it. I give up. It's too hard. He doesn't care. Those are lies that we tell ourselves. Those are lies that we believe because we're not getting what we want right away. But what if God has you waiting because he needs your undivided attention? That's the other struggle with waiting. We don't wait well. I remember David, Pastor David put out a video not too long ago to some of our uh, volunteer leaders. And one of the things he wrote is that he had forgotten his phone. Some of you have seen the video. He was going to pick up dinner for his family, forgot his phone, standing in line, and didn't know what to do with himself. Because he didn't have his phone. But then he realized as he's standing in line, everyone else did have their phone. And no one's looking at him, and no one's looking up. And no one's noticing and no one is present. And even though he was present in that moment and he was uncomfortable because he's a lot like me, doesn't really want to talk, he was present. His attention was in the moment. And I think this is something that we need to practice. I know I need to practice it. Are we fully present? Or do we have one eye on a screen and one eye on something else and are we always moving? I talk to people all the time who cannot sit still. They've always gotta be doing something. They're always trying to do the next task. They're always, always, always. And I'm like, man, what if God's just like, be still, wait for me. You've prayed, you've asked, you've poured yourself out, but you're not sitting still long enough for me to even respond. Would we even see it? Not only has the internet made everything quick and gratifying and instant gratification, it has made it so distracting and so easy for us to occupy our time with anything but the stillness of God with anything but being in nature and sitting and admiring the vast greatness of our creator. We forget how to sit and be silent. Almost like waiting is a waste of time. We only have so much time. We're only on this earth for so long to do his will, to be his people. How do we be his people if we're not willing to wait on him? 
to sit with him, to believe that he is on the move, that he is working in us and we want him to work in us even when we don't know what's happening next, even if we don't know if he's gonna answer our prayers. So we need to wait. We need to not be distracted. We need to challenge ourselves to go just a little bit further. Some of you I know have made the, the, the goal this year to learn to sit and be still. And you might be doing it in five minute increments and I, that's fine. Every effort to be with God, every effort to pray, every effort to be in his presence is transforming, is knowing him, is being with him. I think the other thing I wanna look at is Habakkuk. Because she, or he, she, he, Habakkuk sounds like a whim's name, but it's actually good, a dude. Okay, one of the things I wanna look at, sorry, I skipped ahead. One of the things I wanna look at is what are we supposed to do then when we wait? What are we supposed to do when we wait? Well, in Proverbs 3, 5, it says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. See, when we, what we're supposed to do is trust. We have to believe that God's gonna guide us, that he is going, we gotta be able to put all of our trust in him. We've gotta be able to lay everything down. And I've had people lately ask me, like, what does that mean? Lay it down. I had some guy come up to me and he's like, surrender what and to where? There's no God I can see. Where am I supposed to put it? And I'm like, that is a great question. We have a lot of Christian language in life. What does it mean to trust, to lay it down? It means to come to him and pour it out. Acknowledge that you have to give everything to him. We don't keep a part of ourselves away from him. We give everything, not just the good things, not just the joyful things, but we also don't just give him our complaints and our needs and our wants. We give him everything. When we were singing this morning, it's like, take off, replace me with you. Change me, transform me, fill me with your spirit. Not my will, but your will be done. Do we believe that that can happen? Do we believe that he will make our paths straight? Do we believe that trusting him is worth it? I think we challenge ourselves because I think we want to trust a little bit, but when it doesn't work out, we take our trust back. I think we want to surrender all, but then we also want to keep some because we want to be in control. Like I said, we want to be the person who knows the outcome. So we're like, well, I don't really know. You're not showing me, so therefore I'll hold on to it. This case got to create my own outcome. Why is trust so hard? Why do we not believe he will make our paths straight? I think part of it is that we're told all the time that we got this. You got this, just do it. You be whatever you wanna be. You do whatever you wanna do. You just be you. And the truth is, is God never said that. He said, I need you to be more like me. I gave you Jesus so you can be a disciple of Jesus. You wanna be an apprentice that is so close to Jesus that you reveal him in everything you do. That he pours out of you. 
even in your frustration. Someone asked me after last week, like, so you kind of just control everything now? You have like an okay temper and stuff? No, I'm a nightmare still sometimes. But here's the difference. I catch myself. When I decide I'm gonna nitpick at every little thing my husband does on a day, I catch myself and realize, man, what is wrong with me? And I say to him, forgive me. Forgive me, because that is not who I am trying to be. That is the old me, sneaking up, being irritated, and totally annoying. So it's like, we catch it. As we become more Christ-like, we're not gonna be perfect, but we are gonna acknowledge what reflects him and what doesn't. We are going to see it, and then we can come to him and say, help me with this. This is changing slowly or not at all, or very little, and I need more and more of you. I want more of you, less of me, transform me. And the only reason we will say that, the only reason we would come to him and say that is because we believe he will. We have to be all in, church. We can't be partially in. We can't give him just a little bit and then take it back when it doesn't work out in our timing and in our ways. The other thing we're supposed to do when we wait is we have to know, we have to own it, we have to stand on it, that he hears you. We have to believe that God hears all that you say. Know that he hears you. Just because you don't always get an answer, just because it didn't come out the way you thought it was supposed to be, doesn't mean he doesn't hear you. Reflect back on 400 years of silence. 400 years. That doesn't mean that God wasn't moving. Now in Habakkuk, one of the things I like about knowing that he hears you is that Habakkuk was also a prophet who asked a ton of questions. And God, and this is fascinating, God responds to each one of them. Habakkuk's a really short book, but Habakkuk's like, aren't you gonna help us? Yes, you're not helping us quite the way I want. I'm still helping you. You're using meaner people than us. Like what is going on? Keeps asking all these questions. But Habakkuk had a faith and believed that God would answer. In Habakkuk 2 verses one through three, he writes this. I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Think about that. I will climb up to my guard post and I will stand there and I will wait for the answer to my complaint. That is confidence. That is a belief. Who knows how long Habakkuk stood there? But Habakkuk was willing and believed without a doubt that God will answer. Amen. That God will hear. We, we can learn from this. And then you go on and the Lord does answer Habakkuk. <clears throat> and he says this in verse three. This vision is for the future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently. For it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. What happened was this Habakkuk went on to the, uh, the watchtower. And God came and answered and said, write this on a stone so it can be carried for others to hear others to read, others to understand. And he said, it might seem slow. I remember when I read it for this, I was like, amen, 
always slow, it seems like. But you acknowledge it, Lord, you're telling us. It surely might be slow, but it is not delayed. Why? Because God's timing is perfect. Perfect. But here's the thing about scripture that I think sometimes we forget to think about. Why write that? Surely it it might be slow. It might take some time because we are those people. Isn't it amazing that God in his word addresses all those little things? Those moments where we're like, this is taking forever. Yeah, it takes a while, but he knew we would doubt. He knew we would struggle. He knew we would wonder. And so he writes it in his word. And I find this fascinating because this is a human thing throughout the generations, from generation to generation, all of creation. We have doubted, we have struggled, we have struggled to wait. But God says, even though it might be slow in coming, it will not be delayed. He is perfect. His timing is perfect. See, church, I think one of the things that when I was reading this, kind of studying for it, trying to figure out where I was supposed to go, Pastor David's like, you're gonna preach on waiting. That's a good conversation, that's all I got. Okay, like, I was like, waiting, all right. I realize, you know, we can talk a lot about wait, he loves you. Go ahead and wait, he'll be there for you. Wait, he sent you a savior. Those things are all true. But sometimes I think we have to get down into the nitty gritty. Why wait? Because he calls us to. What do we do when we wait? We trust. We believe he's transforming us. We remember that he's gonna change us before he probably brings us an answer. And in the silence, we have to believe that he is moving and he's working. I had a flash last night about how many people I know who are waiting for an answer. How many people in my own personal life who are praying and praying and praying that different sicknesses will be cured? That family members won't die. That family members won't lose any more memory to dementia. How many people I know who are praying for their kids, for their parents? I don't know why I'm getting emotional, hate that. Like, I just think about it. We are a people who are waiting. And I thought, if I know that many people, how many people in this room are waiting? Waiting for something. That you're calling out to God. I know there's probably people in this room who are like, I'm done. I've called out and I've called out and I've called out and nothing. And I know why you feel that way. I know it's discouraging and I know it's hard. But it's a lie to think that nothing's happening. Because God's doing something. It's okay to feel discouraged. It's okay to feel frustrated. But we also have to take the next step and sit in confidence. And sit and know that he hears you. He sees you. My prayer is that every person that's here or online or on the patio, do you know right here, right now that God sees you? 
Do you know, right here, right now, he knows exactly what you're thinking. Exactly what your need is. Exactly what your frustration is or exactly what your joy is. There is not a thing he doesn't see. And so I want to take a moment. If you're waiting for something, if you're praying for something, will you do me a favor and stand up? Look around, church. We're in this together. Some of us are waiting for bigger things than others. Some of us have been waiting a really long time. But as you look around and you see all these people are waiting, I want us to pray together because we're gonna stand right here right now on this solid ground and the confidence of knowing that God has this. He sees you and he hears you and he loves you and he has a plan. So Father, we just come before you right now. You see, Father, every single person in this room, every need, every desire, every want, and you see all of these people waiting. But Lord, as we wait, even if it's just beginning right now for some of us, as we wait, we wait confidently. We bring ourselves to you, Lord, and we ask that you would answer our prayers, that you would bring healing, that you would bring our loved ones home, that you would just answer all that you, would, you see in here, Lord. And yet at the same time, not my will, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done in each and every one of these lives and the lives that they're thinking of and they're praying for. Father, we are here for you. We are here because of you. We are here because we need you. We worship you and we adore you. So we bring it to you, Father. Maybe wait are the people who trust, who have hope, and who surrender all, knowing that you are the one true, good, and mighty God. And we give you everyone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you all wouldn't stand, if you're not all already standing. <laughs> As we close, I just pray that we challenge ourselves. Maybe you haven't been practicing being still. Maybe you take and ask yourself, how much time are you going to add into your day to be still? to sit, to wait, and to be with him. Maybe you're here today for the first time. If you can, go out to Connection Central. We want to be able to meet you, acknowledge you, know that you're here because we want you to know that you are valuable, that you are loved, and we are thankful and grateful for each and every person that's here. Church, we can do this. We can wait. We can become a more patient people than the people who do not know him. So may we stand apart. May we love and give our lives for him. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen and amen. Blessings.